Welcome to the podcast of the Sunday morning worship service of the Heartland Church of the Nazarene. We're a community of faith learning to love God and our neighbors as ourselves. Welcome home. Today's sermon text is from Amos 9, 11 through 15. The passage will be on the screen for you, or if you like, please turn to Amos in your Bible. On that day, I will raise up the booth of David that has fallen, and repair its breaches, and raise up its ruins, and rebuild it as in the days of old, in order that they may possess the remnant of Edom, and all the nations who are called by my name, says the Lord who does this. The time is surely coming, says the Lord, when the one who plows shall overtake the one who reaps, and the treader of grapes the one who sows the seed. The mountains shall drip sweet wine, and all the hills shall flow with it. I will restore the fortunes of my people Israel, and they shall rebuild the ruined cities and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and drink their wine, and they shall make gardens and eat their fruit. I will plant them upon their land, and they shall never again be plucked up out of the land that I have given them, says the Lord your God. Well, today is indeed Palm Sunday, um, but our, our story is not the Palm Sunday story. We'll get there at the end, I promise you. Um, I think I can make a connection to it, hopefully. If not, you just have to be okay with that. Um, we've, been, we've been looking at uh, the book of Amos. And we, we said at the very beginning that um, it could be kind of dark. And I was, I was told today that it wasn't as bad as maybe I had made it out to be. Um, I don't know. Uh, but Amos, it, it, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of judgment there. Um, a lot of, this is what's going to happen if you persist in your ways. And I, I promised you at the very beginning that we would end with words of hope and life. And so that's, that's what we're going to do today. Um, we're, we're going to end at a place that looks forward towards God's redemption and restoration of all things. Because this is where the whole trajectory of the Christian story goes. It is where the whole trajectory of the season of Lent goes. Um, it is, Lent is not uh, darkness and self-sacrifice and all those kinds of things for those things only. Um, Lent is a time that prepares us to participate in what God is doing in the world, to live into the mission that God is calling us to do, to, to love him and to love our neighbors as ourselves. It's a time that prepares us to celebrate uh, and to, to claim the fact that darkness and death do not have the last words. Um, so uh, we've gone through the, the story, and um, part of the reason that Amos comes and talks to them and, and the northern nation of Israel is because they have rejected justice and righteousness and mercy. And, and we said that, that justice is, it's not just people getting what they deserve or, you know, like someone being held account for um, the, the bad things that they've done, but, but that justice is, um, well, that it's, it's uh, everything being right and ordered in the world. Uh, we said righteousness is, uh, is not just following all of the rules, but that righteousness is right relatedness. Uh, that it's, it's being in, in right relationship with God and with each other. And it's really, really hard to have justice without righteousness. Uh, if you're oppressing somebody or participating in a system that's oppressing somebody, it's hard to be in, in, right, in right relationship with them. 
And we said that, that God is bringing this message of justice, that, that, that God is going to withdraw his hand so that Israel experiences this punishment, um, not just kind of willy-nilly, it's because he's held them up against the standard uh, covenant that God had made with Israel from the beginning. When God brought Israel up out of Egypt, he, he said, this is how I'm going to be your God, and these are the things I'm going to do for you. And, and because you were slaves and, and uh, poor, uh, you're going to be nice and good and live in right relationship with those who are on the margins of society. You're always going to remember that I'm the one who, who gave you all of the good things that you have in life, that, that the, the promised land in which you live is a gift from me. And so Israel says, yes, we will, we will be your people and you will be our God. Only Israel begins to forget. They forget all of the good things that God has given to them. They, they forget that uh, the world that they inhabit, the land that they own, uh, the good things that the land grows were, did not come about because of their own, or their own labor. That's a, a gift of God. And so in that, in that forgetfulness, they, they end up being well, really bad to the people around them. Uh, they, they, they take their eyes off of, off of God, focus them on themselves, and uh, just do all, all sorts of, um, of evil. Well, um, we said last week that, that Israel was a plumb, uh, a wall, and God was measuring them against this covenant, right? So the, the plumb line is an image of measuring how straight they are in according to what God had, had called them to be. Uh, and God found them um, out of plumb. Uh, but, and, and this is, this is the, the point that I want us to hear, and, and it can sound a little trite, maybe, that uh, God's judgment, God's punishment, in, in however form it takes, is never the final word. Like God doesn't do those things or allow those things to happen just for judgment's sake because he wants us to experience the consequences of our behavior. He, he's not into just kind of punishing us, right? Um, it is always looking towards restoration. It is always looking towards uh, repentance on our part, saying, yes, we confess that we have not been the people that we have, ha- should have been. We have forgotten who you are and what you have done for us, and we have forgotten what you've called us to do in loving you and our neighbors. God's move is always towards faithfulness on our part. God's move is always so that we might flourish in this world. Now, we, we talked about this uh, a little bit in Bible study. Sometimes we don't see that happen, Right? Uh, sometimes we hope for healing and restoration on this side of things, but it, it just doesn't work that way all the time. Uh, but part of our hope, part of our hope, and, and what we will celebrate next week, is the fact that this cross is empty. Uh, that that the, the restoration that is coming, it, it can happen here and now, but it, it is also going to happen because Jesus Christ conquered sin, and the death that comes from it. Uh, so that if our brokenness ends in death, that even that is not the final word. But on the other side, there is resurrection and restoration. 
Well, um, this is how the book of Amos ends. On that day I will raise up a booth, the booth of David that has fallen and repair its breaches and rise up its ruins and rebuild it uh, in the days. It got cut off there. Days of old. There we go. Got cut off of my thing. Um, booths were uh, kind of what Israel lived in as they came up out of Egypt. Um, they'd have a whole festival of booths where they build these little huts and live in them for a couple of days. And so it's an image for God providing for Israel and, and, and restoring and redeeming them. Uh, uh, so God is going to do that. And uh, skip to verse 13. The time is surely coming, says the Lord, when the one who plows shall overtake the one who, who reaps. And the treader of grapes, the one who sows the seed. The mountains will drip with sweet wine and all the hills shall flow with it. Uh, not only is he going to rebuild where they live, uh, but he's going to, to make abundance flow. Now, now, Israel, we have to understand that Israel never actually kind of comes back from, from the destruction that they're going to experience, not in the same way that, that Judah does. Uh, but, I, but I think we can, we can look at this image and we, we can see this, this abundance that God has planned, that this is this is what God has hoped and planned for from the beginning, and this is what God is working towards even now. Uh, that the harvest will, will be so plentiful, and the rains will continue to come, that, that as soon as they are done taking down the, 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 the grain or the wheat or whatever it is, they can come behind and plant new, which is not normal for that area. It's like a good six months between harvest and planting uh, at that time. They're going to be able to build um, vineyards and uh, plant vineyards and drink their own wine. Now, uh, vineyards take like seven years to produce fruit, like up to seven years. And so you don't plant a crop like that unless you have the time and the resources to be able to do it. Um, so this is, a, this is God's looking long term for his creation kind of end in 15 it says I will plant them up uh, plant them upon their land and they shall never again be plucked up out of the land that I have given them says the Lord your God Uh, even though Israel never kind of returns to what it once was like this is this is the hope that Israel has Uh, that the God who is faithful to them uh, will be faithful to them and, and continue to do so that that even in the midst of their sinfulness, that God has plans and hope for them. I, I, think, um, I think what makes this passage significant for me anyway uh, is the fact that, that Amos is uttering these words uh, before the destruction takes place. Uh, that, that God is working always towards Israel's restoration. That God is working towards our restoration. That even in the midst of our brokenness and our sinfulness and our infidelity, uh, all of the wrongs that we have made, uh, that God doesn't just see the punishment or the consequences of our actions, but that God uh, sees the future behind, behind all of that. Uh, Paul says it like this, that Christ died while we were still sinners. Uh, 
We were not friends with God. And yet God continues to offer restoration, redemption, and forgiveness. God is committed to covenant faithfulness. This is why, this is why Jesus becomes one of us. This is why Jesus is born in a manger, in lowliness. This is why he he lives and he teaches. This is why he loves and calls others to follow him. This is why Jesus ultimately goes to the cross. Because God isn't interested in punishing us unnecessarily. God isn't interested in prolonging our torment. God is interested in working to bring about redemption and restoration. I I think in, in doing this, in coming into Jerusalem on that day, Uh, escorted by a throng of pilgrims shouting Hosanna, Uh, that Jesus once again makes his commitment. Because I think think Israel at this particular point, uh, on Palm Sunday anyway, forgets or misunderstands who Jesus is. Uh, They want him to be something he's not. And even though Jesus knows that they misunderstand, even though he may know that they want to kind of make him be a political king, right? That he's still committed to doing what needs to be done so that we can have salvation. Uh, I think for me, I think that's significant. Uh, that, That God's faithfulness is far greater and far bigger than anything we really can imagine. So we have two questions today. Two questions that I want us to consider as we, uh, as we go out the week. Uh, in what ways do you need to experience restoration? Uh, we've been kind of asking these questions throughout uh, the study of Amos and, and we've kind of looked and see if we are like Israel in these kinds of ways and, and, and maybe at this particular moment you are broken in whatever way. What I want you to, to see, and sometimes we don't know our own brokenness by the way, I'm convinced. Ask God to reveal that to you so that you might uh, so that he might work in you for your redemption. Uh, the second question is, who do you need to help move towards restoration? Our job, well, Christianity is never just about me and my salvation. I have been, I've become convinced a long time ago that I am a Christian, uh, not just for myself, but that I am a Christian for the sake of the people around me. That I, that I am a Christian for the sake of my wife and kids. That I am a Christian for your sake. And, and I, I truly believe 
that you are Christians, well, whether you see this or not, maybe hopefully this helps you to see that, not just for yourselves, but for the sake of the person you're sitting beside. I need you to be Christian for my sake, too. I need, God needs us to be Christian for the sake of those people in our community. Now, I, I think we can experience God's salvation as a continuing work in our lives while still helping others find restoration. I, I think we always have to admit that this is what's happening with us, that we are co-journeyers. Um, never from a place of superiority or judgment. That when we invite people into God's restoration and salvation, that we don't do so from a place of pride and arrogance. But that we might say, I'm broken, but God has been faithful. I'm broken, but God is in the process of restoring me. You're broken. Let's heal together. Thank you for listening to our Sunday morning worship service. For more information about the Heartland Church of the Nazarene, please visit heartlandnaz.org.